Hello everyone, welcome to the MRKH podcast. Our full intro has its very own episode, so please do go check it out. For now, a little hello. I'm Ella May from Vava Womb, and this is Mind Over MRKH, a podcast for and by the people with Mayer Rokotansky Kusterhauser Syndrome. You can support the podcast and the work we do directly by heading to mindovermrkh.org. This podcast is receiving a regular sponsorship to keep us going strong from our wonderful friends and UK charity MRKH Connect. We hope you find some comfort in joining our stigma-free MRKH chats with some true MRKH warriors around the globe. You are not alone. Today on the podcast, I've got two really, really special guests from Your Pace DSD. So first of all, we've got Gabrielle, aka Gabs. Um, Gabs has MRKH, so Mayer Rokotansky Kusterhauser Syndrome, and found out at 16 years old, um, and Gabs is now 22 from Wolverhampton. She wasn't involved much in anything to do with MRKH or DSDs until in about 2020, um, when she was referred to DSD families by a healthcare professional. She now loves to get involved with DSD families and help teens with their journey with a DSD, as she didn't get any support when she was a teen. She's fairly new to it all, but has dreams to change the UK's sex education teachings and make it more inclusive. This is one of the main reasons why she connected with DSD families. And we also have the wonderful Esme, who has CAIS, which stands for Complete Androgen Insensitivity Syndrome. She's known since birth. She's 22 and is from Bristol. She had held a focus groups for young people in the Department of Education for Young People with DSDs and has been involved with DSD families for a number of years. She wanted to get involved with the charity as she felt very isolated as a child with a DSD and wants to help be a figure to show young people that they can grow up completely normal with their condition and do whatever they want to do. I just wanted to educate our listeners a bit about the medical descriptions of these DSDs and all of the resources I've used will be put in the description of the podcast. So Gabrielle, the wonderful Gabrielle, has MRKH syndrome and Esme has CAIS, both classed as differences in sex development. DSD could also be known as intersex, which is an umbrella term for unique variations of reproductive or sex anatomy, compared to the two usual paths of human sex development, i.e. male and female But when we say male and female, that doesn't necessarily mean someone's gender. We are talking about someone's sex at birth. So variations could appear in a person's chromosomes, genitals or internal organs like testes or ovaries, which are called gonads. Some DSDs are identified at birth and others may not be discovered until later in life. There are over 30 specific medical terms for combinations of intersex traits and each person with a DSD is different. DSDs are congenital conditions, which means the person born with it, develop it in the womb. And when the baby is growing, usually the stage of being an embryo is when the malarian ducts will form reproductive organs or gonads. Gonads literally means testicles or ovaries and genitals means your external sexual organs like a vulva, a clitoris, a penis or anything in between. And there's chromosomes, which is your genetic biology like XX or XY. But there's many others, like some people have 1X um, in Turner syndrome or XXY, Kleinfelter syndrome. DSDs like MRKH can be referred to as malarianogenesis as it means an atypical development of the typical physical anatomy of a baby. 
we can call this atypical as we typically expect a male or female baby to have a typical body of their sex, but actually variations of bodies are so much more interesting and wonderful than what we are taught in sex education. When we say the words male or female, like I said before, we do not mean gender, but rather the sex of a baby. When it comes to DSDs, we must realise that they are, there are so many differences in humans and every body is different. It's not just one type of body for a female, another for a male. As genitals, reproductive organs can vary just as much as our faces. We want to do more podcast episodes on DSDs as there's so much to learn and educate people on, including myself. So MRKH syndrome is what our guest Gabrielle has, and I have this too. It's a DSD which affects one in 5,000 babies that have XX female chromosomes. Again, this refers to the sex, not someone's gender identity later in life. And usually people with MRKH have ovaries and external sex organs like our vulvas and clitoris is not affected and developed typically. We do not start periods as we have an underdeveloped or absent womb, vagina and no cervix. But Generally, we can have biological children through taking our eggs out and via surrogacy. CAIS is the condition that our guest Esme has. It says on the DSD family's website that this condition affects one in 40,000 births. So AIS is either complete, so CAIS, or partial, PAIS. So babies with CAIS are born with testes, which for some get removed through surgery, and XY chromosomes, but their bodies are immune or unable to respond to androgens, a category of hormones including testosterone. So with complete AIS, they have no response to androgens and usually develop a vulva and typically size clitoris, but internally may have testes which produce hormones that actually stop the uterus and upper vagina developing. So similarly to MRKH, someone with CAIS might have a vulva and shorter vaginal canal, and the difference really is internally and with our chromosomes. I'm so excited to be joined by two wonderful people on the podcast today for episode number 11. Uh, We've got Esme and Gabs from Your Pace DSD. Um, Gabs, hello. Hi. (laughs) How are you doing? Good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Do you prefer Gabs or Gabrielle? I didn't ask that. Um, I don't mind either. Either or. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Um, Gabs, are you right to introduce yourself? To the listeners if yeah, that's well, right. um my name's Gabs um short for Gabrielle um I'm 22 years old and I have MRKH um I was actually told about this when I was 16 and um I recently back in I think 2020 I got in touch with DSD families well they got in touch with me and um that's when I started learning more about different DSDs because at the time like I thought it was only MRKH I didn't know about any other different ones and they got me involved in like more things to do with like youth and like mm-hmm. how we can help um younger like teens like with their DSDs and what they have and then that's when we came up with your pace and I met Esme um Esme through that uh so yeah that's just a bit about me oh thank you no it's so lovely to have you on and hello Esme how are you hi I'm good thank you good and you like to introduce yourself <laughs> to everyone that might be listening yeah, of course. Um, I'm Esme. I'm 22 and I'm from Bristol. Um, I have CAIS, um, complete antigen and sensitivity syndrome. Um, I was diagnosed 
birth. So I know this has kind of always been like a part of my life, I guess. And I was introduced to DSD families. I want to say like 2015, 2016. Um, and I've been working with them for quite a while. Um, started the Your Pace uh, DSD Instagram page with um, Gab. And yeah, it's just been going ever since. Um, yeah, and the rest <laughs> is history. No, so lovely yeah. to meet you. Sorry, I called you Esme, Esme, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm the same, I'm Ella May and people call me Ella Me all the time. So that's, I, I should have asked you first. Um, yeah, it, it's so lovely to have a platform that's dedicated to all DSDs. And can I ask you, Gabs, and uh, yeah, or maybe both of you, what you think of the terms that people describe um, DSDs? Because I know that they used to be classed as intersex and then it was disorders of de sexual development. And now it's sort of preferred to be known as um, differences or variations. Yeah. So do you know a bit about the journey of that? Because I, I personally, I, I think I, I tend to go with variations when I'm talking about myself or differences. Yeah. Um, so yeah, what, what do you guys think about the kind of terms of? I think um, with me, because it's like a recent thing with me, like, um, mm. like I said, I didn't really know about other DSDs until 2020 um but I think that's just what was introduced to me so that's why I use difference I feel like it's a nice like for me I like I like difference in sex development like mm. it's it's not like saying like I don't really like disorder and I know a lot of people don't like disorder because it's like I don't know it's like kind of saying that there's something wrong with you like type thing yeah yeah like, you're broken yeah. but yeah yeah so like I like that and I also like variation but I feel like DSD just flows better I guess like I it like sounds good yeah 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 exactly and then um, I know of intersex I feel like there's like I only heard about that actually recently as well like in 2020 and I think a lot of people get it confused I think with um like LGBTQ and I, I know a lot of people with DSDs kind of don't want to be confused mm. that not that they have anything against it but it's just like people automatically assume like oh is it this and it's like no it's completely different so mm. I think that's like the journey with that like people try kind we try we kind of want our own like voice if you get mm. our own thing like we don't want it to be tied in with anything else I think Esme might have more to yeah, say sorry, yeah. no. more <laughs> before me I, th yeah. I think that it's just kind of um I think when you say like and I I've always gone by like pretty much anything really I haven't really thought about it until like maybe the past couple of years but I think that intersex especially it just sounds like such a heavy word I guess there's like a lot that kind of comes with it and it sort of invokes a certain like mental image in a lot of people um and I think differences uh, in sexual development or variations in sexual development is just a lot more I don't know I don't know how to explain it but it seems a lot more softer like you can sort yeah. of explain mm. things how you want to without sort of yeah and like it, creating this image in people's heads that maybe don't know that much about it yeah it's so true and I've I've personally felt like that I remember being diagnosed with MRKH and knowing that 
technically it's intersex but I think the term intersex is just so widely understood misunderstood sorry that that's what makes people a little bit uncomfortable about it because you want to like you said Gabs and I think you did as well as me you kind of want to protect your truth and and who you are and um, everything like that um can I speak to you a little bit Esme about your diagnosis story of CIAS if that's all right yeah so I um basically they knew when I was born really um I think it was literally within like a couple minutes of me being born um I had to um have surgery um when I was like really really young I think Mm -hmm. it was like literally a week if that old um that I had the sort of like um I I don't know the word for it I'm sorry I'm very medically prepared but yeah um I don't know so I guess it's always something I've grown up with maybe um sort of when I was six or seven my parents sort of like started like integrating me with it I guess sort of telling me like you're gonna have to go to hospital appointments and this is what it is um but yeah I think I've been very lucky with that with like knowing since I was born it's quite a I don't know it's just always been sort of a part of me I guess but um yeah how did your um parents tell you because I think there are some people with MRKH where they have maybe like kidneys or something physical that you notice but otherwise we tend to not notice until we're 16 so and I think there's loads of questions on our Facebook group saying should I tell my daughter at what age um or my child so what well, how did they explain that to you and, and how did it affect you emotionally physically in in the sense of like how how did they know mm. um which I guess is kind of one of the issues I have with a lot of um sort of medical interaction is I don't really know much I don't really know nothing's ever really been black and white explained to me um I think that um and I, there's no like one moment, I guess I can pinpoint that I was like, oh, this is the day that everything changed. You know what I mean? It was just mm. always sort of something I kind of knew. Um, emotionally, like growing up, it was kind of difficult um, at some points, especially during like puberty and stuff. You know, you're going, you're going, everyone's going through puberty, but you mm. have this sort of extra thing that makes you feel different. Um but yeah, I think apart from that, maybe like going to hospital appointments was quite, um, I guess, like an othering experience. It made me feel very sort of different, I guess. Mm. And did you did you tell many friends or when you were, um, I know that you're still young now, <laughs> um, but when, yeah, so do, how do you deal with sort of telling other people? And is, is it something that you open up about or is it something you're fairly private about? Um, I tell... Hmm. I, I like I tell my close friends mm. or um yeah I, like I'll tell my close friends I think it's at this point it's sort of like if someone asked me about it like if, if somehow they knew or whatever and they asked me about it, I'd be like yeah I have it but it's again it's it's sort of just like a private thing I guess mm. you know like I don't know you wouldn't go up to someone in a club and be like my parents are divorced you know what I mean it's yeah. kind of like the same thing I guess <laughs> yeah that's the best way I could describe it no so and I think so many people talk about like disclosure and MRKH and there's just 
there's never a moment unless well unless I've been quite drunk and gone up to someone I haven't got a womb and it's (laughs) it can come out at strange times um how about you how about you Gabs can you tell us a bit about your kind of diagnosis story I know slightly different but with MRKH yeah um so like I found out when I was 16 I know this sounds strange but I also had a conversation with somebody else who has MRKH and like um I did tell them like I kind of knew before that um like there was something I didn't know it was called that but I I kind of knew from like when I was younger I don't know what it is like a feeling and like the person said like same like we were agreeing like same like we kind of knew but um it was when I turned 16 that's when I actually went to the doctors and stuff and um that's when they told me and yeah like from there I I cut like I kind of ignored it Mm. for a long time like not that I don't know like I just didn't really acknowledge it as much I didn't talk about it with anybody and then it wasn't until like I went to uni and then um I think it's like my second year that's when I just I don't know I started I was just thinking like I actually don't know anybody with MRKH like I, I can't speak to anybody about it mm-hmm. um like I couldn't relate to anybody like even if I told I told a few of my friends and it was kind of like oh okay and then that was it and I was just like I want to talk to somebody about this like but they didn't understand so um that's when I started doing a bit more research and then um one of the healthcare professionals um she got in touch with me and was like oh there's this um charity called DSD families and they're looking for like young people um for a youth project and that's when I got in touch with DSD families and I met people like Esme and like some other people and then we started the Instagram and Mm. like met like more people with MRKH and other DSDs and like it was kind of like overwhelming as well because I'd never talked to anybody else with mm. anything like this um it so overwhelming. Yeah. yeah so overwhelming yeah yeah, yeah. That's exactly what you mean <laughs> <laughs> and like even with in terms of like telling friends and stuff I think at the start I used to be scared to tell a lot of people um and I think now I'm at the age where it's kind of like it's not that I'm scared to tell people it's just like as we said like you're just not gonna randomly go to someone that you met and be like oh by the way I have MRKH and it means this this and like give them a whole lecture about it but it's kind of like when I feel comfortable like with somebody like I let them know if people notice things like I lived with one girl at uni and like she noticed that I never bought like sanitary towels or did like Mm -hmm. certain things like I never ever said like oh I'm on my period or anything like that so um she was kind of like oh like like why and then I just I told her and like I think after I told her I started becoming more comfortable with telling other people um but even like some people in my family they they really don't know um but this is like one thing that I'm working with DSD families like with we're trying to like let people understand like if you have a DSD the experiences are different for each person and like for me um because I'm a black female Mm -hmm. I feel like um, the experience for me was a bit different because a lot of black families they kind of don't really talk about this type of stuff so even with my parents like they knew but they didn't really talk to me about it like it was kind of like oh you've got doctor's appointment okay like that, that's it like, they didn't really talk to me about it as much so um yeah that's something that I'm now like passionate about like letting other people know like mm. from other backgrounds like you can talk about it with us like you can talk about it with other people like you can find your people type thing yeah no thanks so much for sharing that and do you think there's an like I know that you know there's an added stigma within black communities and with, with black people uh, gabs with 
conditions like this is that sort of what you were touching on around yeah it is more stigmatized yeah do you think the community needs more support and yeah I I do think so just because like um even when I was going to like the hospital and stuff um they didn't really tell me who I could talk to like I didn't know anybody Mm. um and then when they did like send me like a few pages like Facebook groups and like I would like search them and for me it's kind of like I didn't see anybody that looked like me so it did make me feel a bit uncomfortable like oh like oh they understand because like for me it was kind of like I couldn't really talk to my family about this but then when I saw some people online they'll be like oh um like I saw one story online I think this is like the worst thing you can do is like look online but Mm. one girl was saying how um her brothers and her sisters and her mom and her dad like they they went with her to the hospital they said with her at the hospital and I just thought that would not happen with me so mm. it was kind of like oh like I definitely know the experience is going to be completely different like will they understand like that I can't do certain things like I can't talk about certain things openly because within like the black community they have like a big stigma with like talking about like sex or anything like that they don't really talk openly about it if you get what I mean thank you for sharing and I think like, like you said representation is is key and just yeah. seeing a community of people but you want to see people that look like you and it is so important so um yeah no thanks for sharing that and for being here and sharing your voice as well Esme can I ask you about your sort of friendships with other people with um DSDs have you met many other people and how's like your journey through advocacy been so I have, I met, weirdly enough, I met the first girl that I met with it. It wasn't in person or anything. She had, um, I remember I searched like CAIS on YouTube and there was this girl and she made like a load of YouTube videos about it. And she had a group on Facebook. Um, and I, for a few years, like we would like message back and forth and stuff. But I think she was like, I would have been, I don't know, like 12, 13 and she was like 25 or something. I wouldn't, I haven't met anyone apart from uh, Gabs who is like my age, even when um, I did um, the focus groups and stuff, all of the um, people were kind of, I think they were about uh, like seven to 12 and I was just about to be 19. So yeah, I've never, yeah, I've, ne- I've never really met any like young adults with it or I've never, there's never been a period in my life where I've met someone the same age that I've been and that's had it. And I think that's like a really big, I don't know, that could be a really big area to sort of like tap into, I guess, because it's so important to have people your own age, like a support network um, where you can just sort of talk about shared experiences. Um, no, absolutely. And like we've got, I think MRKH, Esme, can I just ask, do you think there's an added stigma with other DSDs compared to MRKH? Not Because I know that they're slightly different, but with MRKH, I feel like there's a lot of people kind of that you see online and talking about it. Do you think that DSDs like CIS are more stigmatised than MRKH when it comes to people being open and, and being amazing advocates like yourself? Um, I don't I don't think they're stigmatised so mm. much as... I, I don't, 
I don't think it's stigmatized because I feel like the people who are talking about it all are people who have DSDs, mm. you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't, you don't really hear people who don't have them like talking about it. And I think within sort of DSDs, I think it's just the, the uh, I guess, amount of people that have it. So yeah, that's true, because it's, it's a bit rarer, isn't it? I yeah, I think yeah. so. Mm. I don't know if, again, like I don't really know any medical stuff off the back of my mm. head or whatever, but um, yeah. And especially with like uh, androgen sensitivity syndrome, there's like so many different types of it. So like you've got like CIS, PAIS, mm. AIS, and there's like all these different like subsections of it. It can be hard to specifically find people who are kind of exactly like you. Yeah, because there's just there's so many variations, and I think that's what makes you like your platform really nice. Because I think it's focusing on all of them, and you do all the awareness of like different conditions. What other what other conditions or sorry differences? DSDs. You're right. DSDs does flow off the tongue. What other um, DSDs are you both raising awareness of at the moment? Is there other than the ones that you both got, obviously? Oh God, there's um, Swire's syndrome. Mm. I'm gonna butcher this, like Kleinfelters. Klein, yeah, so that, yeah, yeah, double X Y chromosomes. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else do we have? Everything else. Sorry, like I put that. you on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's like there's Turner's syndrome, and mm. um, yeah. also um. Hyperspadius. I don't know if I'm pronouncing these right, by the way. Um, That's why I'm scared of saying them, to be honest. <laughs> um, there's CAH. Um, mm. I think those are the ones that I can think of at the top of my head. There is quite, there's, there's quite a lot more as well. Um, I think those are the ones that me and Esme like know about more mm. like that we've been told about um but yeah there's there's uh, there's loads there's actually loads like you wouldn't really think that there is but even when I research it there's like a whole list of different mm. um DSDs I was yeah I was trying to do a bit of research for a page I was doing on Baba Womb and I was that there's just so many but I think yeah. because there's so many it almost makes the community more comforting to know that actually there's just so many different people mm-hmm. and everybody is just different and I think that's like the biggest message isn't it yeah. and there's so much more than just like a vulva and a penis and xy and xx and gender and bodies are just like this big beautiful spectrum yeah. <laughs> um, do you mind just telling us a bit more um both of you either of you just around the work you're doing at your pace and what the kind of missions are what the support um network is like if that's all right yeah so um it's like aimed more towards teens hmm. so um with dsd families they also have dsd teens but um we wanted to make something separate that was more for teens and that like you could kind of find a lot more easy like you know Instagram is big now like mm-hmm. social media so that's why we made the Instagram page and um we wanted we wanted it to like to be easy for teens to find us um so like you know people would recommend your pace like if you have a DSD like any type of DSD mm-hmm. um so we wanted it to be for just teens because um I think we both established that that like around the teen the teen like age like the group that that was when like you're very like emotional angry like 
you yeah. wanted somebody to talk to but there was nobody to actually talk to like I said for me how um I didn't know anybody so I couldn't I had to keep all those feelings to myself because nobody really understood like when I was like if I'd be upset one day they'd just be like but why and it was like even if I explained why they didn't they were kind of like I, I still don't get it so mm-hmm. we wanted to have like a platform where these type of people like anybody really they could come and like um talk to us if they needed someone to talk to talk to somebody with who's gone through who went through exactly what they went through um when we were that age so that's like what we're trying to like kind of aim at but also like we know that it also has attracted like some older people and like um some like parents as well like a lot of parents have actually said that it's helped them like um what they need to know for like their kids and things like that um, so it really is for everyone I think it was aimed more for teens but now we're kind of like getting the idea that it's actually for everyone like anyone can go on there and learn more I guess I think it's important we want people to learn um, a lot of people don't know even some people like MRH like myself I didn't know there was any DSDs out there me and Esme were even talking before and I was like I genuinely thought it was just MRKH that's it Mm -hmm. and then like literally every week when I was talking like having like meetings with DSD families I was like oh there's this one and there's this one I was like oh wow like (laughs) I kind of felt bad like because I thought it was just that's it like so yeah like we just wanted to get that across that there's 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 other DSDs and like we can all support each other and we can all talk to each other and like create this community Mm. and feel safe to like share our own experiences and stuff I think as well it's like a lot of what we do when you kind of want to find out stuff about DSDs or sort of anything related to it it can be really difficult if you're I don't know especially like your first point of course basically like googling it right and Mm. you'll get a massive dreaded black and white wikipedia article that's like this condition is when x gene does y and then yeah. this land and then these hormones do this and you're like okay yeah. but i don't really know what that means like we're not doctors and we're making these things with like bright colors and stuff and it's easier for people to look at and sort of understand mm. and i think like understanding what's going on in your own body in a way that speaks to you as like a young person is like a really important thing to be doing. Yeah, I love I love all the content that you're making and I'm learning so much as well just from following everything because there is like there is a lot of MRKH pages and platforms which is incredible and like beautiful and amazing but I think like I keep saying and I keep repeating myself it's just really nice to have a page that is dedicated to lots of lots of different things. Um can I just ask you as me if that's all right at the moment I guess it's a really big question how are you <laughs> how are you feeling about everything and like what's what's um your kind of journey with mental health and how are you coping with living with a DSD at this moment in time bit of a big question sorry I know there's probably a million different things you're thinking about right now but I guess when it comes to things like fertility and everything that a DSD means for someone how yeah how is that for you at the moment um yeah at the moment I'm good um (laughs) yeah I'm uh, I'm good at the moment I think that um growing up I definitely had a lot of sort of mental health issues to deal um with surrounding that sort of thing and you know I'm not gonna I'm not 
going to pretend I don't have mental health issues now mm. um, but they're kind of separate I guess I, it's not something that's been influenced by it directly but I feel like when I was younger it definitely was um, but yeah that's such a big question I know I, was sort of, I, I could have just said Esme how are you but I think that sounded too short but yeah I guess it was just around how maybe what your advice would be to someone that's coping or struggling with a with a DSD especially sort of CIS or something that you personally have around how you coped as a teenager living with um, a DSD and maybe how you would advise someone else or where they could go to for help I think um, I think obviously like if you have any sort of mental health issue then you really <clears throat> then just like reach out as soon as you can but if you have a specific um, sort of like DSD related mental health issues so when I was younger I was I went through like a really long period of being really down about um, like not being able to have kids and stuff mm. and I don't know I think it's kind of influenced by I don't know like society in general is very heavy on like you're a woman that means womanhood and having a child so and like feeling quite like a failure almost because of that mm. but I think that um I reached out at the hospital when I was younger because I didn't I didn't really know what <laughs> mental health was or anything mm. and I was just like yeah I'm really sad about this what can I do and they um appointed me um it was well I was luckily enough it was um Julie Alderson who is does um I, I don't know the difference between psychiatrists and psychologists oh, but um I was getting confused really nice. <laughs> yeah <laughs> she's one of those mm. and um specifically for DSD conditions um oh. and that helped me so much and I don't know if it's the same in like other places because she was from Bristol which was mm. really helpful but I would honestly just ask the hospital at, at one of your appointments just say I'm sort of struggling with this um mm. the best way is just to reach out because you I don't know you're not going to know your options do you, do you does um your pace yeah thanks for sharing this did, does your pace DSD have like a signposting element of it where if someone says oh I'm looking for someone that deals it's, it's linked to DSD families is that right or is it yeah 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 so it's like a stem of that so they can maybe go on to DSD families and look for different areas um or people they can speak to um how about you Gabs how how are you and uh, how, how how are you coping with MRKH and is there anything that at the moment that you're particularly struggling with or um any parts of MRKH like fertility or dilation or anything like that that you wanted to share yeah um I guess like now like as we said I'm I'm fine now mm. um I know like um when I was in my teen like when I was a teen it was kind of like I was kind of in denial I probably was very like depressed and like down like about a lot of things but mm. like I said like I didn't really talk to my parents about that there'll be some days when I was like really upset I didn't really have much people to talk to but I think for me like um, I'm very big on family and like I'm really close to a lot of my cousins like they're the same age as me like luckily that like, we're, we're all literally the same age a lot of us so um, I talked to them about it a lot and like I told them how I felt and I told them like about like oh I, I, I won't be able to like give birth or anything like that and like they were the ones that kind of reassured me and even like recently I had like a heart to heart with one of my cousins like I was even crying and I was like um like you really did help me like if I didn't say it to that cousin or like 
some of my offer cousins and I wouldn't I wouldn't have said it to anyone like I wouldn't have mm. like now come to do like go to DSD families and like been comfortable enough to start your pace and like talk to you so um it was like more like like talking to my family a lot more and like feeling comfortable with talking to them that mm. kind of got me going I guess um but I do agree with Esme like I wish I did actually go to the doctors and like and told them like I'm feeling sad because of this um that's one thing I do regret and I think that's one thing that I definitely do encourage anybody like from a young age like if you feel sad to reach out to someone like talk to people because it can make a big difference but I think that the fact that I didn't I was struggling with that for a long time um and like now like even to this day like I I will like tell my um like at the clinic I will say like I'm I'm not feeling my best and like they'll recommend me to talk to somebody like even to this day so like even with doing your pace I feel like even with me like we talk about being on a journey like I'm still on my journey like there's days where like a lot of people will say to me oh you're, you're like never like sad about this this and that and it's like it's not that I'm not sad it's just like I have my days where I'm mm. like not happy and like I feel like for me I, I keep it in a lot and then like I start thinking about everything in life and I was like, oh, I can't do, I can't do today. (laughs) (laughs) So then um, I get sad some days and like other days I'm like really happy. But I think for me, usually I'm I'm, like not a crier or like, Mm -hmm. I don't really show my emotions like that too much. So I feel like when I am sad, a lot of people around me can tell that I tell that I'm sad. So like they were like- Energy wise. Yeah, they, they can tell. So then- like oh like my friend will call me and she'll be like oh let's just go here like today or so I think I'm just really lucky to have like set people around me that I can like count on with anything bad happens so yeah it's more like through my closest friends and like my family that they're kind of like my therapy like I always say that to them like family is my therapy they're like your support network and that's the thing there's no like you both said you cope in different ways and I know I just asked a random how are you question but there's no wrong or right way to cope and everyone's different and a lot of people say oh there's all these MR because we've got a MRKH like WhatsApp group which you're both welcome to join by the way and yeah um but even sometimes a lot of people when they're feeling down they don't necessarily post it in the group or they don't necessarily speak to someone with MRKH they just need to speak to anyone or just have that day to let the dust settle in their minds and then move on because I know that advocacy and you guys must feel the same can be like a bit overwhelming sometimes because you're continuously thinking about it um I just wanted to ask about how you're maybe Esme first about how being diagnosed with a DSD did it have any effect on your kind of relationship with your body or with your confidence or anything like that and how and maybe around being at school and because I think for me personally my hardest times was being 16 and not having a period and people are like girls around me or people around me are starting their periods and me just feeling really uncomfortable about not being able to tell them and that for me was my biggest sort of hardest moment with my DS personal DSD which is MRKH um so yeah Esme how did you feel when you were kind of at school and did it have any effect on your confidence or anything like that um I did I really, I really, really don't want to sound full of myself here, but I've always, no, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I've always been like a pretty confident person, mm. um, like in my body and in the way I look and stuff. Um, I think 
weirdly enough, it is surrounding things like periods and stuff. I'd feel really like insecure about it. Um, or maybe just in a sense of I didn't feel like I was like woman enough in a way mm. um, growing up or that I had I had more to prove. Um, and this is kind of an off the to- off topic kind of thing, but I think it kind of says a lot about um, like sex education and stuff because I have no idea how periods work, man. I and like <laughs> I went to sex education; they didn't tell us anything. I don't know how, <laughs> how they work, mm. um, and it just felt really. I felt almost like I was missing out on something. Um, I yeah, but have you, have you grown to think that you're you're not? the more you learn (laughs) oh yeah definitely it's still it's you know it doesn't define being like a woman at all but um I think growing up especially when every when sort of like it was almost like a shared experience like oh my god who's got their period oh my god like who's got a tampon (laughs) um and it was almost like this really weird thing I remember (laughs) I remember um I (laughs) was I was trying to skip PE once and I was talking to my friends and I was like why like periods sound like a good excuse and they were like yeah just say you've gone through say you've gone through like gone through your clothes and I was like okay and I went up to my uh, PE teacher with like full confidence and I was like yeah I was in the bathroom early and I just followed through and um (laughs) (laughs) cheers it took me about five minutes to realize like oh I've what I've just told her you haven't pooed yourself (laughs) Um, yeah exactly but um yeah it was just a lot of kind of almost like naivety and maybe like a little bit of innocence about it I don't know Mm. but I think after you get past a certain age you kind of realize like oh you're not missing out on this like amazing great thing it's just something that happens and you don't really go through it and it's like a reminder I feel like there's I get that little annoyed feeling when someone says oh, you're so lucky you don't have periods I don't like that word lucky because I think oh my that God, yeah. you need to honor yeah like you need to honor someone's grief like the reason we don't have periods is because of something it's not yeah. you, we, it's up to us if we feel like we are lucky but that's that can stay with us you, you can't sort of assume someone's feelings around not having them how about you Gabs how do you how do you feel about the kind of lack of periods yeah I think um this is like not embarrassing but it, it was before now like I'm over it but I um when I was younger as well I think I was like like 14 15 like everyone had gotten their like all my friends had gotten their periods mm. and like people be like oh like have you like I feel like I was one of those girls that went through puberty like really early mm. and I developed very quickly so I think people assumed that I already had my period and like my mum would always tell me like um about like oh you might get your period you might get your period so she always like was had me prepared like with um sanitary towels and stuff Mm -hmm. and like I think because people saw that they assumed that I had had it so I just kind of went with the flow though like oh like oh you know what to do you had your period I was like yeah yeah I have (laughs) and I was like I kind of just just kind of (laughs) pretended like yeah I've had my period yeah I know I know what happens like Mm. and um I think I got to like when I found out like I would never have a period I was like oh like <laughs> how am I gonna tell these people like or my friends that I told that I've had my period that I actually I've never had one and I never will get one I think that was like the most embarrassing thing for me but then I kind of got over it like I told um 
a woman at the hospital and she was just like oh don't worry about it I feel like every most girls with MRKH do the exact same thing mm. and then um, it's nothing to be embarrassed about really so I kind of got over that quick and I didn't care anymore um but yeah I think that's like the one thing I do remember um with growing up and it's not even that I wanted one it was just more like I just wanted to be a part of the conversation one <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's that as well. and I just wanted to be a part of the conversation like um when people talked about certain things like even like mm. not my family when they talked about like having a period and stuff I just wanted to be part of the conversation but now it's like I'm not I feel like even to this day I'm kind of like awkward when people mm. talk about their period too. yeah yeah like yeah, when, yeah. when people are talking about it, I'm just I just go completely silent like mm. like I kind of like blank out like I just I yeah. don't say a word and like people like I know some people like don't don't know that have MRKH they're just looking at me like what is wrong with this girl like is she traumatized from having a period or <laughs> like I just go completely silent and then some people will ask me like oh um what about you like now I'm confident enough to like say oh I don't have periods like I don't get periods mm. and like then I'll be like oh are you on like birth control or something I'll be like no <laughs> like then I'll start asking more questions and then eventually it's like oh yeah I have MRKH but sometimes mm. I just can't be bothered to like explain mm. like I don't know if you understand what I mean like both of you but it's like some days like I when some people are asking questions I know it's kind of backwards you you should be educating people but some days I'm just like I really don't have the mental capacity to just yeah. tell everything about it so sometimes I'm like oh yeah yeah it's just one of them ones like <laughs> and they're like <laughs> one of ones and it's like yeah it's just you know it's 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 something and then they'll keep asking questions like listen it's not that deep and then <laughs> they will end the conversation there so yeah I feel like sometimes I just can't be bothered but now like mm. I'm more confident in talking about not having a period and like why I don't have it yeah you're right like we don't always have to respond and even now like I've told my story publicly quite mm -hmm. a lot and and even people sometimes that I don't know that I think might know at work or so and it's all like scenario based isn't it if you're sitting at work or at school or at college and someone says oh have you got a tampon you're not going to go oh no I don't have one because yeah, <laughs> you don't need to go like, into everything about your body. Um, but it's like you said, it's all about how much energy you've got into talking about. It. If you want to, great. If you if you feel like that buzz of going, I don't know. Actually, yeah, I really want to talk about it, and then that makes you feel good. Then great. But if you don't feel comfortable, you yeah, you know, you're never pressured to say anything. And I think that's the biggest thing. But it is still awkward. Like even at like work, sometimes if I, even though I feel like everyone around me knows about MRKH because I've speak about it all the time and I speak to friends there's still random people from contractors or someone that might ask for a tampon that doesn't know about it and I still get that immediate like teenage feeling and go oh god that was awkward and I don't know what to say um um yeah I, I, I just wanted to I guess touch on maybe a bit around relationships and Esme have you got any sort of experiences with um relationships sexual relationships anything you want to talk about um and how a DSD is maybe not affected but had an impact on relationships I think um like sexually mm -hmm. it kind of it's, it's kind of weird to talk about not like that I feel weird about it but it's it's mm -hmm. weird to talk about because obviously like I don't I don't know what it's like to have sex without a DSD 
crazy. You know what I mean? Mm. So this could be like the completely normal experience, but um, it took me a while to sort of like get used to it and like have it not be really painful. Mm. Um, I think in relationships, it's been completely fine. Um, I, weirdly enough, my my first uh, serious boyfriend, literally nothing to do with the hospital, met him on Tinder when I was like 16. Um, he had an intersex condition or, or DSD as well. Really? Um, yeah. Oh, <laughs> um yeah so that like I, mean, I was so nervous to tell him and then he was just like are you are you sure and I was like yeah I'm, I'm pretty sure that I do he was like oh that's kind of crazy because I do as well I was like ah oh, wow <laughs> what if you don't mind me asking what um DSD did he have I can't even remember can't it's remember. been so long ago but um yeah it, it was it was really weird but I think even with people who, who haven't had them it's kind of just like a I don't know they don't really you think I think especially when you're younger you kind of have it in your head that you're going to tell someone that you're close to and they're going to be like "Ooh, you're disgusting I'm never going to speak to you again you're the worst person I've ever met in my life and then you tell someone and they're just mm-hmm. sort of like oh, all right cool <laughs> yeah that, that's like basically how it is no sure okay um Esme, have you got any experiences with um, vaginal dilation? Because I know a lot of people with MRKH go through that and I haven't learned as much about other DSDs when it comes to kind of genitals and dilation and our vaginas and everything um, around that. So yeah, have you got anything you wanted to share with your experiences of dilation? Or or, I know you said you had surgery when you were younger. Yes. So I I went through, well, I did dilation from... I, w- I want to say like 12 or 13 maybe oh, like wow, so young. 13. yeah it, w- it was pretty young mm-hmm. um or maybe it was like 13 12 to 14 is where I'm gonna say it started mm-hmm. like somewhere around there um and yeah it was just kind of introduced to me by the doctors um they were really good in the sense that they kind of said you know like if you don't want to do this this isn't something that you have to do um it just might, if you do decide to like be sexually active, it might just sort of like ease you into it. It might be like a little bit more comfortable. Mm. Um, so yeah, I did dilation for, I don't know, quite quite a while. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I maybe I felt a bit embarrassed about it. Not embarrassed, but it was kind of, I don't know, it's quite a lot to sort of hear but um it is yeah and that is I was so embarrassed (laughs) when I I was doing it I remember just feeling like such utter shame of the fact that my parents and sister knew that I was upstairs with this pool inside my vagina and stretching it and it just was the most crippling embarrassment like of feeling and yeah and I think it's so important to just raise that with all people with DSDs that it is like it's okay to feel embarrassed and I know that personally I do a lot of self-pleasure awareness and use self-pleasure but even that's a bit embarrassing when you're when you're already dealing with a DSD diagnosis so um yeah so was your dilation was it post-surgery was your surgery when you were really really young like before 12 or was that the same age that you went through the dilation oh no so my my surgery was literally when I was like under one and I had oh okay um I had like the like a gonadectomy I think it was hmm. which like I know is like a, a very controversial thing in sort of like DSD spaces but um hmm. that's what I had 
Um, so it didn't really, <clears throat> it wasn't really something that was, would affect me. It, uh, it affects me physically, but it didn't affect me physically in like a way I could tell, you know what I mean? It didn't really have any impact on dilation or anything. No, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. Cause I think the like, anatomy wise sort of genitals and vagina is very similar with MRKH and CIAS. Cause I don't know too much about um, both of them. So do you think that there's a, do you think you relate a lot to people with MRKH because of the very like the similarities between both um conditions yeah I think so um I think a lot of the um a lot of the differences with a lot of the conditions or um differences in sex development Mm. seem to basically be down to like genes really Mm. or or sort of things that you can't see so I don't know you don't really feel as sort of divided from people Mm. no definitely and Gabs how about you are you have you got any experiences with dilation or anything like that that you wanted to share um yeah with um dilation I started like when I was 16 like when Mm. I found out um I think with um dilation like I think it's like important to do it when you want to do it and not do it just because you feel like it's kind of like a chore and you have to do it and that's what I learned so like for so long I kind of stopped doing it um and I think it wasn't until I went back to like when I went to uni that I started doing it again like in my first year then in my second like at the end of my first year I stopped doing it and it was kind of like I like I kind of had like a pep talk with myself and it's like like do you actually want to do this right now or like do you not like are you hiding from it like what what is it like what's wrong like what's going mm-hmm. on and it was just more like um I didn't feel like ready to do it like I didn't feel ready to do dilation um like I didn't feel like I wanted to and I didn't want to force myself to do it mm-hmm. I waited a bit longer and like then I felt more comfortable in doing it like I didn't care like it, it became part of my routine um but yeah I feel like at the start I felt like I had no choice but to do it so I was forcing myself to do it and I wasn't like happy doing it it was like I think there like with that it was a lot like you said like I felt like shame kind of like it was like embarrassing um I didn't really talk to anyone about that or like even the people I told that I had MRKH I always used to leave that part out because like I used to think people don't really want to know that I'm doing that if you go mm-hmm. it's not something that you just say to somebody my mum knew um and like she would always ask me like, oh, have you done this today? And I, I'd be like, no. And like, I feel like she was more worried about it. Like she wanted me to get it done. Um, not in like a horrible way or anything. Like, I think she was just worrying like, oh, like if she doesn't do now, like is she gonna feel some type of way in the future? Like, I think mm-hmm. it was more like that. But I remember telling her like, I just don't wanna do it. And she was just like, that's fine if you don't wanna do it. Like you don't have to. Um, and I think people need to know that like you don't actually have to do it like straight away as soon as you find out yeah yeah because I think the pressure comes from the idea that sex is just penetration right and it's not and I think although many of us want to go down the route of penetrative sex and I did when I was 16 17 I, I was in a straight relationships and people were sleeping with people with penises so I think you end up you do just assume that you kind of need to do that and I know that you yeah. can have pleasure in many different ways and most orgasms are clitoral and all that sort of stuff and and obviously every 
person with every different genitals has orgasms in so many different ways Mm -hmm. um and I just feel like there's just so much pressure on saying you have to do this so that you can have something inside you when you have sex but um but yeah so with like sex education do you feel like anything's changing is is there anything in your post DSD where you're looking into any sex education or maybe maybe we all need to work together to educate more people about um yeah so and any plans around that with when it comes to education and schools with DSDs yeah um I think with DSD families like they're working on um getting schools to like recognize DSDs when talking about um sex education which I really love like that's one thing I really want to get involved in like I feel like it's crazy that we all go to sex education yet when we grow up we don't know anything about Mm -hmm. sex at all and it's kind of like the whole thing needs to be redone like everything within it like you don't know a lot of things like you don't know like basic things like even when it comes to like pregnancies and stuff like um people don't know about like that you could have a miscarriage like a lot of things could happen and I feel like these things that you need to I feel like they're things that you need to learn because if it happens to you it's gonna really damage you emotionally like even with my um like my sister she has three children Mm. and there's some things like when she's gone through her pregnancies like she'll tell me certain things I'll be like oh my gosh I never knew that happened like like seriously like you think you're more inquisitive as someone because I think I am I'm like I want to know everything yeah definitely Mm. like I'm like that's crazy like I didn't know that happened I didn't know this happened and like I feel like schools need to teach they need to teach like not everyone's experience is the same like it's not like you have not everyone can just have sex and just Mm. have a child like get pregnant and have a child like not everyone can just get pregnant like even besides having a DSD some people just generally can't get pregnant Mm. and I feel like they need to teach more about that and also teach like there's people out there who are different and like they might not have a womb or they might not have like this or that like they there's different things that need to be taught I think like just so others aren't as ignorant when like you tell people like I know like you said like when when like Esme said that when you tell some people like they're kind of like oh okay but it's kind of like like, I know like through their head they're thinking what is that like what like Mm. they really want to ask questions but they don't feel comfortable to ask questions and I feel like it will start from sex education where people will feel comfortable to talk about these things and have these conversations with people like I feel like we need to get to a place where it's not uncomfortable like if like the fact that we even said that we felt shame like with dilation I feel like we need to make it so it's that you shouldn't feel that way to talk about something like that like it's actually such a simple thing like and it's medical yeah people people do things for different medical and reasons for like and yeah yeah because it's something to do with our like vaginas suddenly it becomes this huge like oh couldn't possibly talk about that and I think that it's personally I think that the shame has come from a lack of awareness because if we all knew at 16 that lots of people don't start their periods not everyone has these genitals and not everyone of this gender has these gen- do you know what I mean I think there's just so much that we need to learn before how about you Esme how's your experience been with sex education and I wanted to ask you because I'm sorry I'm just jumping jumping back um I know that you said you knew obviously from a really young age about your um DSD when it came to your periods did you know when you were really young so when you were like 10 11 that you were never going to start a period is that yeah, yeah um, okay 
yeah so i um so yeah um again like that i it was kind of just sort of like integrated into my upbringing i guess mm. um but yeah i've kind of always known that i was never gonna um have a period or um you know like you carry mm. a child um yeah i think in that way it kind of i i think when you when you have something like what we do when you and you know because because we kind of know um things medically from a young age that maybe like other people don't so when you go through sex education you're kind of already thinking like well you're leaving quite a lot out instead of being someone who doesn't know about it and just kind of doesn't know that there's things that are being left out I guess um yeah and I think yeah like like you said you probably knew more than all your schoolmates but probably wasn't something you're gonna shout at when you're 12 or 13 like hey like yeah so when when you were having your sex education and they were talking about periods did you did you find yourself feeling quite uncomfortable in those moments when you were younger or did you tell any teachers I'm just so interested in to know if your teachers kind of knew about your condition as well or um so a few did because Mm -hmm. I yeah there was there was some sex education classes like there there was a lot about you know like stopping the risk of birth and like I don't know we'd have like two full days about like just not being pregnant as a teenager and whatever Mm. and like some sometimes it was fine like when I was younger it was fine but then sometimes when you're sort of a young teenager you're just like I don't want to go through two days of this and it doesn't apply to me and it's just gonna kind of be a little bit upsetting Mm. um Mm. um but yeah a few a few of them knew um but I don't think they like treated me any different because of it um like no one ever asked or anything like or like crossed any boundaries or anything like that I think yeah no thanks so much for sharing so I think my personally the biggest fear was being at school like I said earlier and I think it's just more around other kids and other people not understanding and just judging you for because they don't understand and that's it and like you said with the term intersex and old historical terms that people just don't get that's where like you said Gabs the word shame comes into it because people just don't get you and they just don't get that you just are who you are um and some kids can be mean man (laughs) they really can and that was I think yeah that's where a lot of people just feel more comfortable when they get into their 20s and they know themselves and I know that Esme you said you've been quite confident as a young person which is bloody fantastic um but I think that is that that's it you just grow more confident in who you are and you just sort of trust in your own identity and that's what um people get so scared of are we all right to just end with like a few messages to the next person being diagnosed normally I'd say next person being diagnosed with MRKH but I'll say next person being diagnosed with a DSD um because this episode really has been focused on everyone and everybody um Esme, you right to go first with your sort of message or what do you want to tell the next person being diagnosed with a DSD? Um, number one, chill out. You're fine. Everything's going to be cool. You're not going to grow like an extra limb. Like you're <laughs> completely fine. Um, learn about it. Learn about yourself. Learn about your body um, and reach out to other people if you can. Um, not trying to plug ourselves 
plug us, away but um you know we're at your pace.dsd we're there we're there um but yeah reach out sort of try and like like gabrielle said find your people find people that you feel comfortable with who can help educate you about yourself um and just yeah it's yeah it's gonna be okay really it really will be oh thank you so much esme and i think that's the biggest thing like reaching out can be hard can i just quickly ask you how can someone reach out to dsd your your pace dsd is it mainly by your insta messages is that right yeah send us a, a dm or leave us a comment um yeah and we'll get back to you asap <laughs> Thank you so much, Esme. And how about you, Gabrielle? What's your message to someone being diagnosed with a DSD? Um, I would say don't be afraid to tell your friends. I know it can be like really hard and you think, oh, they're not wanna, gonna wanna be friends with me or anything. But let me tell you now, if they don't wanna be your friend because of that, they're not even worth having around you. There's, there's no like, honestly, don't even bother. Like don't even feel any type of remorse with cutting them off because they like it doesn't make any sense that they they don't want to be your friend just because you now have this um dsd um i feel like just focus on yourself um i know a lot of people don't like to talk about being selfish but i feel like when it comes to your emotions you've got to be selfish and like your um, mental health like focus on yourself like honestly mm. especially when you're young like focus on building up your confidence and um, getting to know other people and like kind of like protect your peace, like whatever makes you happy, protect that and don't let anyone get in your head and make you feel like you're wrong or sh you should like, you should feel shame because of something that you can't help. Like it's not your fault and it will never will be your fault. And I feel like, yeah, just protect that, like protect your peace and you have something special like you can talk to other people about this and um, reach out to other people like as we said like on your pace like hopefully one day it'll be really big and like we can have some type of platform where like you can connect to people like the same age of you as you and the same dsd as you but yeah we're here like to talk we know what it's like we know we've been through it so yeah Oh, thank you, Gabs. That's, yeah, that's such a nice message from both of you. Um, so what's next for, I said we were ending, but now I'm asking more questions. What's, uh, what's next? Well, I could be here for hours of you because there's, there's three of us. There's just too much, too much to talk about. Um, but I just noticed the time. Um, what's next for your pace, DSD? So what have you got? Any plans coming up that you wanted to share at all? Um, yeah, I think <laughs> we just want to um, grow more. And like I said, like we want to build a platform where um, not just, I feel like right now we get a lot of um, females like talking to us. We have a few males, but we want to like be, make it more aware, like anyone can come and talk to us and like, like look at our page and we want to get to a point where it's like, we can connect people with people like 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 who are like-minded or something and um make like a group or like a community where we can all support each other and talk to each other about some issues that we have um yeah we just want to raise more awareness and like get more out there and even educate people who don't have a dsd and like let like the everyone know like things need to change like the education system 
and everything like that, like when it comes to sex education um, and like educating the rest of the world, like other people. No, definitely. It's exciting. Anything from you, Esme, that you're excited to be working on next or? Um, I think we have a sort of, um, we have like a sort of aesthetic rebrand sort of coming, which is really exciting. And apart from that, just growing like a, like a big community, I guess, just like a really, like just a positive place, you know, just like a good, I don't know, I don't want to use the word resource, but <laughs> somewhere that people can go and just like feel chill about stuff like you can acknowledge what you have but it's not it doesn't have to be your whole life and you can talk to people you can meet people um community yeah yeah, yeah. Community. <laughs> yeah but no you've got you really are building like a really amazing community so um yeah thank you for coming on and for sharing and for doing everything you're doing um it's been so nice to meet meet you both and talk to you both and Esme I'm learning so much more about other DSD so a special thanks to you for coming on to speaking about something that isn't MRKH but something that we can all relate to and um and you especially Gabs for coming on speaking about like different communities and being in the black community and talking about MRKH which is just so so important um so yeah Thank you both so much. <laughs> no worries. Take care. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Mind Over MRKH podcast. We will have regular new episodes, so please follow and subscribe. If you want to come for a chat, get in touch. And to everyone with MRKH, you are not alone.